championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. The Lakers finish off their road trip the right way, picking up a win in Pawnee against the Indiana Pacers. Nice W for L.A. Okay, look, there were some bumps in the road, no question, and we're going to get to that, but a win is a win, and that's certainly important, and that makes it a nice one, especially in what's eh, typically seen as a trap game, right? The last game of a road trip, particularly a long road trip, most players have their thoughts towards getting home, spending time with family, especially if we've got a holiday tomorrow. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Gobble, gobble. Uh, and the Lakers managed to lock in and focus just enough to get the win over the Pacers on the second night of a back-to-back -back without Anthony Davis, who was still sick. We'll talk a bit more about him later on in the show. My name is Trevor Lane. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. If you're joining us from YouTube, from Facebook, from uh, Twitter, welcome in. Be taking your questions and comments as we go through the show here, so fire them off. The Lakers do pick up the overtime win over the Pacers. Let's go through some of the stats to start things out. 124-116, to 116, the final score. LeBron James, my oh my. Welcome back, LeBron James, and thank you to the fans there in Indiana for getting LeBron a little extra fired up in this one. 39 points for LeBron, five boards, six assists, one steal, two blocks, eight of nine at the line, 13 to 29 shooting, five of 12 from three, including some big ones late in the game. Uh, Russell Westbrook, 27 and five, 20 boards or 20 points, seven boards, five assists, only four turnovers for us. That's not too bad. We'll take that, but five 15 shooting, not the best night there. Uh, then we got 17 big points out of Malik Monk. 17 points, 8 rebounds, played 34 minutes. Nice job, Frank Vogel, sticking with the guy who was getting it done out there for you. 3 of 6 from deep. Wayne Ellington, also very critical in this game. 14 points, 4 of 6 from 3 for the Lakers. They don't win it without him. Carmelo Anthony, another, another rough shooting night. 4 for 13 shooting, 2 of 7 from 3. Have a feeling his legs are getting pretty heavy. 30 minutes, only 1 rebound. Only one rebound, and the Lakers went small for long stretches of this game, including all of overtime, where they didn't have a big on the floor. It was LeBron as the center, and Frank Vogel talked a little bit about that pregame, so there's another topic for us to dive into. The Lakers turning to small ball, but 14 points on the night for Carmelo Anthony. For the Pacers, you had a pretty balanced attack. 28 points for Malcolm Brogdon, who seems to always blow up against the Lakers, and then all of their starters in double-figure scoring. You did get 12 out of uh, Miles Turner, 16 for Justin Holiday, 14 for Sabonis, 17 big points off the bench for Chris Duarte, including a ridiculous three falling out of bounds to tie the game and send it into overtime. Probably could have got the four-point play on it as well, if we're being honest here. Avery Bradley looked like he may have fouled him on that play. The whistle stayed silent, though. Chris Duarte, again, flung that shot up there, and it went in, and Lakers fans all went, oh, no. But thank goodness, LeBron James is in purple and gold at the end of the day. That is what mattered, and that's why the Lakers won this one. All right, let's get into your questions and comments here. Somebody said small ball is good. You know what? I mentioned this on Twitter. that So in the pregame presser, Frank Vogel was asked the question once he revealed that Anthony Davis was still sick. He was asked the question, might you use LeBron or Carmelo Anthony at center uh, and play small since AD is out. And Frank Vogel said, well, that's something we've kicked around a little bit, but it's probably not something we'll do a lot because the Pacers are so big, right? 
People on Twitter went berserk saying, oh, Frank Vogel is a moron. Why would he consider running Carmelo Anthony at center? No, we're talking about an extreme situation here where they don't have Anthony Davis and the Lakers are looking at maybe they have to catch up points wise and go small. Now, Vogel did say he didn't think he was going to do it. And then he did it a lot this game. But uh, but it worked out for the Lakers in this one. I don't know if it's something they can turn to consistently. But when you've got a guy that can play center and shoot threes like LeBron can, it does tend to open things up a bit on the offensive end. Uh, Lars said, what happened to those two fans who got kicked out? This is coming from YouTube, this question. I don't know exactly what happened to them, but thank you. Thank you, fans, for firing up LeBron James. You saw him knocking down the three, gesturing to the crowd. He was getting into it. Uh, Stu Lance talked about it right after the game. Why poke the bear? Why do that? When LeBron James is in your building, why get him fired up? Somebody else threw out there on Twitter said, Michael Jordan might be the best. LeBron James might have an argument to be the greatest of all time. But we do know for sure that LeBron James, when angry, when fans make him mad, is the greatest ever. And that was certainly the case tonight. The fans really got him locked into this game. I thought LeBron was actually a little bit down for a good chunk of this game where we didn't see him making the extra effort, didn't seem to have a lot of energy, which, I mean, he didn't play last night like everybody else did. Uh, there were a few plays at the rim where you're used to see him finishing that shot, and he just didn't. But thankfully, the three-point shot was falling, and that really uh, really changed everything for him. And then he made some big defensive plays down the stretch. So I don't know if that's just him conserving energy or what, but we did see kind of a, a limited version of LeBron James for the first three quarters or so, and then and then he turned it on and got the Lakers going. Uh, Andres Montoya said, Trevor, do you think the pressure or expectation has gotten the best of Taylor Horton Tucker? You know, THT had another rough night. Uh, and that's something else that we needed to talk about. Uh, this is a few rough games in a row. Remember, he came out of the gates red hot, just killing it. Uh, was looking phenomenal. And now we've seen a major drop off here. Taylor Horton Tucker tonight, three for 10 in 29 minutes. It was notable that Frank Vogel did not go back to him during overtime, stuck with other guys, Wayne Ellington and Malik Monk, specifically uh, THT three for 10, 0 for two from three, four boards, two assists, two steals, no turnovers, but just didn't really make a major impact. THT, it seems, aside from last night against the Knicks, uh, was about his best when LeBron was not back when he was still out THT was able to come in and really get going but now he's regressed big time hopefully he can find that again we know he's got the talent in him he's still young there's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster effect there but the Lakers certainly need a bit more consistency out of Taylor Horton Tucker than what we've seen so far because now he's, he's tantalized us he's shown us how ridiculously talented he is and how good he can be so then it's disappointing when you get outings where it's just not quite there. And I'm seeing people already saying trade THT. Look, we'll see what happens. Uh, somebody from YouTube with a super chat. Thank you. Said LeBron looks rusty, but still a, still a superstar at 37. True. Yeah. Rusty, but still managed to get the job done. Uh, Carlos Sion from YouTube said, win or lose, the Lakers are consistent with one thing, giving us near heart attacks. LOL. They're consistently inconsistent. I think that's the, that's the theme here for the Lakers. It felt like we were living Groundhog Day. Like, this is this is not Thanksgiving. This is Groundhog Day. We're trapped in the same day over and over and over again because it felt like this game was playing out the same way that the Knicks game played out, where the Lakers are constantly pushing and pushing and pushing and trying to get back into the game. And every time they're right there, they do something dumb. 
their opponent comes down, hits a shot or hits three shots in a row. And next thing you know, the lead is right back up to seven or nine or 11. That's how the way we saw this game playing out until finally the Lakers were able to take the lead uh, and grab it in the uh, in the fourth quarter and then went on from there to go to OT. But they finally were able to grab control of a game and not fumble it away. That's what we've seen from this team a lot. Every time it seems like they're just about to go on a run and good things are happening, somebody will do something and the whole thing will unravel. I was I was scared in overtime when Malik Monk, LeBron gets a great steal, made the perfect read, right? Sabonis is cutting down the lane, works out of the pick and roll, diving through the lane, and LeBron reads it, and he slides over as the help man makes the perfect read and steals the ball, hit a head pass, and Malik Monk instantly carries it mind-numbing stuff when you see it happen, infuriating certainly, and you thought, oh no, this is going to happen again. They're, they had a chance to go up big there. Fortunately, it didn't come back to burn them, but that's been what we've seen from the Lakers. Every time they have an opportunity, they can't seem to get out of their own way. Tonight, they finally did, and some of that might just be thanks to the brilliance of LeBron James. Uh, Tanner Canis from YouTube, the Super Chat. Honestly, I was worried when Vogel threw LeBron in at center. It was extremely nice to see him switch it up on the fly. How do you feel about this? Um, again, I don't think it's something you can do all the time, but I is. I do think it's something that you can do to mix things up every now and then just to throw a different look. I mean, heck, Vogel, Vogel is not a zone defense guy, but he's gotten to a point where he's like, we got to, we got to try something. We got to do something different. And so we started throwing in zone schemes and stuff like that to try to find success. They're throwing things at the wall, trying to see something that's going to stick. And in this case, with no Anthony Davis, you kind of had to give it a shot, especially once the Lakers went down, right? That's typically the benefit of going small is you can be faster. You can attack a little bit more on the offensive end with a little bit more spacing. Sometimes you can open up your offense that way. Now, the downside is you're going to give up more offensive rebounds. You can maybe get exposed a little bit at the rim because you don't have much rim protection on the floor. LeBron James is certainly not a rim protector, not by the conventional sense. So that's the downside. And so the question is, can you score enough points to make up for whatever sort of deficiencies you're going to have on the glass and at the rim? And the answer tonight was yes. So is it something the Lakers will go to in the future? Probably. Um, if Anthony Davis was there, though, he would definitely be in. It's not like they would just say, oh, forget it. Let's just go small and not play AD. But uh, I think LeBron showed that he can handle playing some center minutes and you can actually get away with it. Uh, the bird print said AD gets the master lock. Is he a superstar or just a star? Is Vogel a good coach without LeBron? Uh, Anthony Davis has a fever. He was in bed with a fever all day. That's what Frank Vogel told us, that the fever that broke before last night's game came back. And think about this. You're the Lakers. You play a game in New York, right? It's late by the time the game ends. It's late at night, and you then have to get cleaned up, go straight to the airport, get on a plane, and fly, and then you fly to Indiana, and you're going to land somewhere in the early hours of the morning. Then you go to a hotel and you try to sleep for a little while, and then you get up and you go play another game less than 24 hours later. So a back-to-back -back at home is difficult on your body, right? To play two NBA basketball games within 24 hours. Back-to-back, -back, including travel. It's extremely difficult. I mean, I personally, I have an extremely difficult time sleeping on a plane, getting any kind of real good rest that way. I have no idea how these guys pull this off. 
It's incredible. So if you're Anthony Davis and you're already sick and you've been sick all day yesterday, you barely get the fever to break just enough for you to play in the game against the Knicks. Then you have to go through all of that where you're not sleeping. You're not getting the rest that your body needs. You're traveling on a plane. Of course, he's going to, the, the fever is going to come back up. Right? Like that's a, that's a recipe for illness right there. So Anthony Davis didn't play this game because he was being a wimp or something like that. Anthony Davis didn't play the game because he's sick. And if you're sick and you've got a fever, you're not going to be able to go out there and play like that. Um, is he a superstar or just a star? You know, I, I lean more superstar with him. He's been good. Uh, he's been really good. There have been moments where he hasn't quite looked like himself, particularly with the three-point shooting, which we talked about last night. But um overall anthony davis is still a very very good basketball player can vogel be a good coach without lebron yes we saw it last year lakers had the best defense in the nba or one of the top five defenses without lebron and without anthony davis but you got to have players who can physically play defense and i think that's something the lakers are lacking this season maddie james from youtube Said, Trev, do you think the Lakers can actually cruise to a win without making you feel anxious? If they can, we haven't seen it so far. <laughs> we haven't seen it so far. Every win has been a stressful one, and I know Lakers fans are pining for that, for that one win that they finally get where they get up by 20 and they just keep a 20-point lead or push it to 30 or whatever and cruise the entire way, and we can all just sit back and relax and enjoy. We haven't had that game yet this year. Has not happened. Um... And it's stressful. I know. I get it. But you know what? You'll take a win. However you can, however you can find one at this point. All right. Let me get into, I did have a super chat that I saved from earlier. Let's see what I've got here. Uh, Jamie Marsden said, if we keep Vogel, which I think we will, should we look for trade options with players that suit his system more? Ideally, but, I mean, the guys that are best for Vogel's system are wings who are who have some size, who can defend well, and can shoot threes. Guess what every team in the NBA is looking for? Wings who have size, who can defend well, and can shoot threes. That's, that's what every team wants right now. Three and D wings that can play great defense and be incredibly switchy. That's what you're looking for. And that's what the Lakers need, too. So to say, well, should they make a trade? Maybe, but it depends on what's out there and do they have the assets to make anything happen? They don't have any picks really to trade. Um, if you're going to trade any of your players, you've got most of your teams on veteran minimum deals. So that's not much in terms of salary matching. Taylor Horton Tucker, you could potentially put him on the market if you decide that's the path you want to go down with him. I'm not there quite yet. I still think he's a very talented young player, even if we do see these uh, you know, bewildering cold stretches from him. And then Kendrick Nunn, who we still haven't seen play this season. We are now 20 games into the season, and we have not seen Kendrick Nunn yet. Still dealing with a bone bruise, and like I said last night, it's getting weird that we're getting no updates on him and what's going on there. Austin Reeves, by the way, I think probably next game, which is Friday against the Sacramento Kings. That's Don't take my word for it. It's just a guess. It's just me guessing based on what we've heard so far. No inside source there or anything, but I would imagine based on how close we've heard he's been, probably the Lakers just said, you know what, let's play it safe. Let's not have you play on the road. Just let that hamstring heal up and let's bring him back on uh, on Friday. That would be my guess is that we see him Friday. Somebody said we need a power forward. Yeah, I mean, we said this at the or during the offseason. The way this team was put together, they were short a wing, 
specifically a guy that can float a little bit between the three and the four, maybe even sometimes between the four and the five that can give you a little bit of size, a little bit of defense. And um, <laughs> you know what? I thought they were short that player in the championship season too. Markeith Morris turned out to be that guy and do a really nice job there. But um, it didn't come back to burn them that much that I still felt they were a little bit lacking in wings. Right now, this team seems like they really need another wing though. Uh, Daniel Camargo said, long nights here in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Welcome in from Brazil. Love it. International fans. Lakers are killing me. Things are going to get better when everybody is available. I sure hope so. I sure hope that um, that it does get better when everybody's available. We've heard Frank Vogel multiple times reference Trevor Ariza and how he will be part of the rotation. He's already carved out a role in Vogel's mind. I still believe the plan was to start Ariza heading into the season and use him as a guy who's got a little bit of size to allow you to play with Anthony Davis at the five and not having him really hurt them. But I also think it's it's a little bit, probably asking a little bit much if you're going to look at the return of Trevor Ariza as something that's going to change the direction of the Lakers entire season, right? He's not, he's not that player right now. So... Uh, System-wise, I think he helps a lot, but there's a lot of other things that the Lakers need to work on as well. Plus, Kendrick Nunn. I mean, got to get him back. Remember, they spent on him more than they could spend on just about anybody else on the roster uh, for a reason, and he has not been able to play. Uh, Matty James from YouTube said, Trev, I know it's early and this game is still a month away, but how are you feeling about the Lakers' Christmas Day matchup after seeing how they are playing thus far? I think defensively. Whew. Defensively, we could be in some big trouble on Christmas Day if the Lakers continue playing this way because the Nets are just so good on that end of the floor. They're getting, they started off a little rough, but they're getting better there. Um, they're very precise on offense. And Kevin Durant obviously is just an, an assassin. And so the Lakers could be in some trouble on that end of the floor. That's where I'd be concerned. But we have a long way to go. We've got a month to go. A lot can happen between now and then. So let's see where we go from there. We do need to get into the 360 award for tonight. And obviously no Anthony Davis. So the three out, it's just LeBron James and Russell Westbrook. And this is easy. You guys already know where it's going. It's going to LeBron James. Again, 39 points. Fantastic stuff from him. Uh, five threes on the night. Five boards, six assists, one steal, two blocks. It was a, I don't want to say it was a vintage LeBron performance because there were moments where LeBron looked very mortal, um, where he just didn't quite look like himself. But then when it was time to win, there he was hitting big shots. They were fadeaway threes. And this is something that we noticed really starting last season, maybe even a little bit the season before LeBron, he will go switch hunting. And by that, I mean, he will pick which defender he wants to cover him and then have that Laker comes at a screen so that that player will get switched onto him. Uh, he's done this for a while now. If you remember a couple seasons ago, he bullied the hell out of Lou Williams on the Clippers at the time that way. Switch hunted him just into oblivion, got him switched onto LeBron constantly and then just annihilated him. But LeBron gets big switched onto him. How often does he attack off of that? Just about never, right? He gets big switched onto him. Miles Turner, uh, Domitas Sabonis. And what does he do? Step back three. And he does that against even the slower footed bigs. He doesn't burn past guys at this point and get into the paint. He's more using a slow footed big as the ability to set up his uh, his step back three. So we're seeing more and more of that. Uh, you know, his game's changing as he's getting older. But again, when it came time to win the game, LeBron James still made all the big plays. 
Uh, Davis Painter said, you're awesome, Trevor. Thank you. I appreciate that. You guys are awesome as well. I always enjoy coming and talking Lakers basketball with you. Uh, do you think it could get to the point where Palinka acknowledges he has too many guards or DJ is not the answer? Uh, publicly, I don't think publicly he would acknowledge that. I don't think he would say that. Like, um, that's not a very PC thing to do from a coaching perspective to just say, oh, I don't have the right players on this team, but behind closed doors, sure. Sure. I'm really curious, like, once Frank Vogel, whenever it is, once Frank Vogel is gone, he's no longer a Laker, right? Nothing lasts forever at some point. Even, let's say the Lakers go on to win a championship this year. At some point, Frank Vogel won't be a Laker anymore. Um, maybe when his coaching career is done, I'm curious if we're going to finally find out how on board with this roster he really was. Because how many guys on this roster do you think he he thought, that guy fits exactly what I want? Probably not very many. Probably not very many. But again, he only got a one-year extension. LeBron's on the team. AD's on the team. I don't think he has a lot of say in who gets put onto the roster and who does not. Uh, Kevin Winston said, Kevin Love would be ideal. Any news on a buyout? You know, he's got a lot of money still under contract. That's something he'll have to work out with the Cavs. This isn't really buyout season. We've started to hear some rumblings about a John Wall potential buyout. John Wall kind of went on social media, made it known that he's not happy now, sitting out games for the Houston Rockets and... Houston is, I mean, just just awful. That team is terrible. And now they're starting to blame their coach. Um, Steven Silas is apparently on the hot seat. Uh, I mean, they brought, in, they brought him in to lose. The Rockets are a team that is set up to lose. But if you lose by too much, then the coach has got to get canned. So good job losing, but you lost by two. We need you to lose by a little bit less. That's what we want, Steven Silas, right? Uh, but they are looking to potentially remove their coach based on a report that came out today. So that kind of stuff is starting to circulate, but it's a little bit early for the buyout market. Normally it's a, you know late February into March. That's when the buyout market starts to really heat up. If Kevin Love hits the market um, offensively, sure, he could be a fit. Defensively, not so much. Defensively, he would not be what you're looking for. But on the offensive end, he could space the floor a little bit for you. He's not... Again, he's not the ideal fit, and defense is my my bigger concern. But if he's out there, sure, maybe you can you can give it a look. Would I mean might be worth a shot, depending on who you have to cut in order to make it happen. Uh, somebody said Lakers fans switch up fast. Uh, Tht was just the uh, the next man up. Yeah, I mean, look, Tht was really good when he first came uh, out. Uh, when he first came uh, into the lineup for this season, remember he missed the first however many games, 15 games or so. He missed all those because of that thumb in injury. And then he was on fire coming out of the gates. He was fantastic. We have 25 points in one night. Uh, he looked great. And now he's definitely regressed. Hopefully he can find that spark again when the Lakers get back to Staples Center. Chaco Thunder. Covington going to fit with this team. Yeah, I mean, that's... Took the words right out of my mouth. If I could pick it within the realm of, of a realistic target, right? Without going crazy, Robert Covington would be my pick for who I would add to this to this team. Um, if I wanted to go, if I wanted to get a little bit crazy, Christian Wood. That that's that's a guy who I would look at potentially. Um like a Jeff Green type, these long, lanky four fives. Maybe you could get away with like a three, four, somebody like that. 
um, is I think what this team is really lacking at this moment. So any any player that fits that mold, I think would make a big difference. Maybe it winds up just being Trevor Ariza, but I still think you could use another player like that. But again, finding them is not easy. It's not easy. Uh, the bird print. Can we bring over Wang Zilin? Do you think he's better than DeAndre Jordan? Uh, that's that's not going to happen. He's been playing over in China for a long time. Uh, he's not coming over. The Lakers got his draft rights. I don't even remember the exact trade that went down. Uh, was that the Marcus Saul deal? That might have been the Marcus Saul one. Anyway, in that trade, the it was only because somebody had to give up something in order. Yeah, I think that was Gasol. Um, in order for the trade to go through because you can't trade if you're bringing in a player you can't trade nothing back you have to trade something so a lot of times they'll trade draft rights to a player that was drafted six years ago in the second round and never came over that's that's what nba teams will do so technically you're throwing in something but it's really nothing it's just jumping through hoops it's not a player who's actually coming to the nba Somebody said Kuzma was that guy. Yeah, the Lakers tried to make Kyle Kuzma that guy. That kind of big three, four, five wing that can defend on the perimeter, can give you a little bit of rebounding, can shoot from outside. I mean, and Kuzma was incredibly inconsistent. We talked about him for years, about the roller coaster effect with him and, and all that stuff. He's been great this year, and credit to him. Uh, the Wizards have looked really good. But, uh, but that's exactly the role that Kuzma played, and that's why we always said, if the Lakers ever trade Kyle Kuzma, you have to get back essentially Kyle Kuzma, somebody with that type of skill set that can come in and give you, give you those things. The Lakers basically swapped out uh, Carmelo for Kuzma, which gives you some things. I mean, I think Carmelo Anthony has been statistically a much better three-point shooter this season than we ever saw from Kuzma as a Laker. Um, I mean, he's in a little bit of a cold streak right now, but I think the legs are starting to, to fail a bit. And he can score a, a bit better than Kuzma can, but Kuzma was, I think, a lot more versatile defensively. So you do give up some stuff there too. Uh, somebody said, oh, here's an interesting comment here. Arnel about Albayalde from Facebook. I apologize if I butchered your name. Uh, said, Chandi Brown could be that guy, but is not as good as Reeves yet. So we're close, right? I mean, Chandi Brown, Chandi Brown is like three inches away. He's 6'5". If Chandy Brown was 6'8", he's in the NBA, right? He's on a team right now on a roster, probably getting some minutes if he's 6'8", but he's 6'5". So he's a little bit undersized, but that's basically what you're looking for. High motor, can shoot from outside, plays tough physical defense. That's what you want. That type of player. And that's part of why the Lakers made him a two-way player for them. And so it wouldn't shock me to see them eventually give him a look. I liked what we saw out of him in Summer League. He gets out of control sometimes where he doesn't quite know when to attack and when not to. And so he'll get he'll have some bad turnovers at the rim where he thinks he can sneak a shot up. And I don't know if it's just he's not used to NBA shot blockers or something like that, but it just doesn't doesn't get through, just gets swallowed up. So Johnny Brown, but he's he's an interesting player to keep an eye on because that skill set is pretty similar to what you'd be looking for in a wing, but he's more of a three, maybe a small ball four, you're not going to get away with him at the five. And people mentioned Jay Huff. You know, the, the two-way players stayed with the South Bay Lakers during this road trip. They, they weren't on the trip, but maybe that's somebody else that you give a look to eventually. Eventually. Now he's big. He can shoot from outside. Uh, 
Uh, Chris said, what's with Rondo? If you mean, why is Rondo not playing? So Rondo was a DMP coach's decision. Nothing's with Rondo. This is what Rondo was supposed to be going into the season. This was the plan. Rondo playing every single night was never part of the plan for the season. He's a break glass in case of emergency guard to bring in off the bench. That's all Rondo is right now. And he knew that. That's not, that's not Frank Vogel saying, oh, Rondo, I'm just not going to use you. No, Rondo said on media day, he knows he's not an every night player right now. That's not what he is on this team. He became an every night player because the Lakers were out of warm bodies. And so they had to turn to him and play him more than they had intended to. But that was not the plan for the season was to play Rondo that much. And Frank Vogel before the game even mentioned that playing Westbrook, which I know a lot of you have been screaming, right? Playing Westbrook and Rondo at the same time does not work. Okay? He said it's not an ideal combination. And, uh, and so that's not something that they want to do. So Rondo being on the bench, it's not, it's nothing against him. It's not, it's not like Rondo did something wrong. And so now he's benched or something like that. This is just what he is. And this is what he was intended to be as the team gets healthier. Those minutes have gone away and he will continue to be a break glass in case of emergency guy. But you know what? He brings so much off the floor that he's a still a big benefit for the team. We talked about the Jared Dudley role last season. Rondo He's a basketball genius. He really, like his, his basketball IQ is incredible. And so he's a guy that can act as almost like another coach there. And he can still get out on the floor with the guys and practice and get things done. But he's also the guy that's leading the film sessions, going over all this stuff. He's going to be a hell of a coach at some point. Um, so Rondo is still a factor on this team. He's still, it's, you still get a benefit from having on the team, but he's just not going to be out there every single night. And that's okay. That's totally okay. Maybe, maybe you're just saving him. Just save him for now. Come playoff time, right? You unlock the cryo chamber and you bring out playoff Rondo. That's what they're waiting for. Uh, Alex from YouTube said, I'm just glad Bazemore doesn't play anymore. Yeah, Bazemore was also a DNP coach's decision. Rondo and Bazemore, the only guys who did not get into this game who were healthy. Uh, Bazemore, the shot really kind of deserted him. And his defense became more erratic where you just weren't getting a consistent presence from him there. Early on, we heard out of training camp, Frank Vogel said, Ken Bazemore separated himself. He was better than all the other perimeter defenders. And so that's why you saw him in the starting lineup. But that definitely faded quickly and his offense became less and less reliable. We saw how much of a scary adventure Bazemore attacks to the basket were. Uh, and ultimately, Frank Vogel just pulled the plug and said, you know, we're going to turn elsewhere. Somebody said when Kendrick Nunn returns, who will he replace? You know what? The minutes are going to be there for him at some point. You've got minutes. Right now, Frank Vogel is pretty much just looking for the hot hand. That's why you're seeing Malik Monk. You're seeing Wayne Ellington. All these guys kind of rotate through. Taylor Horton Tucker, Avery Bradley. He'll be part of that mix too. And we'll see. And if he if he's playing well, he's going to eat up some of those minutes. He just will. Uh, the Monk's Way said from YouTube, Hey Trev, did you notice the final minutes in overtime? They're enjoying the game, which I haven't seen when LBJ is playing. Yeah, it was one of the first times that we saw um, LeBron like really fired up in a game this season. Like full LeBron, LeBron, not just kind of going through the motions LeBron this season. It was good to see. And a good moment to actually win this game. Now, again, the Pacers are below 500 team. They are 13th 
in the Eastern Conference in the standings heading into the game. They were 13th. And the Lakers were the uh, were not the favorite to win. Heading in, the Pacers were the five-point favorite. As soon as that, in fact, it was about 15, 20 minutes before the AD illness news broke, the betting line jumped. It went from Pacers minus 1.5 to Pacers minus five. Somebody knew. Somebody knew what was going on there. But um, in any event, the Lakers had fun today. And again, this isn't like, it's not like they went and beat the Nets. You know, they go beat the Nets by 20 and look great or something and their defense is suffocating. No, we didn't see that. We didn't see that. They went to overtime against a bad Pacers team. Now, the Pacers dealt with a lot of injuries early in the season. They're still coming back from some. I think the Pacers are probably a little bit better than what their record shows, but they're not. They're they're a mid-tier Eastern Conference team. We're not talking about a top-tier team here. But the Lakers, given where they're at right now, it still is important that you just see them having fun. And that matters, right? I mean, in terms of... In terms of putting in effort, it's hard for players to put in effort when what they're doing isn't working. And now, I mean, we can get chicken and egg here. You also can't find success with what you're doing unless you're putting in effort. So it's a difficult thing, but you saw moments where the Lakers kind of got down uh, early on during this game when they just kept giving up point after point after point and, and the Pacers were getting easy shots. Um I wish we could see the Lakers play with the kind of energy they need to all game long, but that just hasn't happened yet. Hopefully it will. But in any event, at least they got the win here and it was a feel-good moment and hopefully that gives them a little bit of confidence moving forward. Uh, the Lake Show from YouTube. Thoughts on the unguardable Le FU3. Yeah, you guys know what those are called. Um, it's a sight to behold. It really is. When LeBron James steps back and buries that thing, it's one of those no, 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 yes shots, right? Where you're going, why are you shooting that thing? Casting away, uh, man, casting away, and it's it's not a good shot to take, right? If you were to teach someone basketball, you would say that's a bad shot, and yet LeBron can knock him in. So he hits him. And uh, and you love it, and it's a big momentum swinger. You saw the life just get sucked out of the ground, out of the crowd there, right? Um, LeBron is stepping back and shooting him from JJ's diner, and everybody in the crowd just goes, "Oh!" Except for the big contingent of Lakers fans, because Lakers fans, let's face it, we're everywhere. All right, we do need to get into the next man up award, so let's do that. The next man up for tonight so chat let me know if you're coming in from youtube you're coming in from facebook you're coming in from twitter who do you think was the best non-star level player so not lebron not russell westbrook who was the best tonight i have a feeling we're gonna see we're gonna see one name pop up a lot here oh i'm actually i've got a little battle that's going on here Oh, somebody asked, what's in your hand, Trevor? Oh, it's sometimes when I'm going through this and I'm talking, I like to have something in my hand that I'm just manipulating. Sometimes it'll be like a paperclip or something like that. It's a, it's my daughter's eraser from one of her pencils. I'm seeing a battle here in our chat between two different players. And I'm surprised. I was going to go with one player. And I've got a nice back and forth going on here. We've got a battle right now 
between for the next man up award between Wayne Ellington and Malik Monk. Wayne Ellington and Malik Monk. This battle's going on between the two. Talk about the stats here. We've got Malik Monk, 14 points, or I'm sorry, 17 points for Malik Monk, eight boards, and then Wayne Ellington, 14 points with four boards, two assists. Uh, Ellington was four for six from three. Monk was three for six. Monk was six for 11. Ellington, five for seven. Two turnovers for Ellington, no turnovers. Or, I'm sorry, two turnovers for Monk, no turnovers for Ellington. Ellington was a plus 20. Monk was a plus 15. Ooh, this is, and this is about a 50-50 split. This is probably as close as we've seen it here. I, though, I'm going to go with Malik Monk. And I know, Wayne Ellington is the plus 20. Malik Monk was the plus 15. But I thought the more impactful plays, the more everything broke down, oh no, here's the ball, Malik, do something. And he did those moments. He came up big in where we saw him attack the basket. He made some big plays hitting threes. Now he also got back cut twice tonight, at least. So it's the new Lakers drinking game. Every time Malik Monk gets back cut, I thought Wayne Ellington was very, very good. And if you say Wayne Ellington, I will not tell you you're wrong because you're not. He had a great game as well. I just thought the big offensive plays were more made by Monk. Wayne Ellington was more of a spot-up shooter. Somebody else creates something, and credit to him, he knocked it down. But I thought Malik Monk had to do a little bit more on the offensive end than Ellington did. But again, if you say either player, you're not wrong. They both were great. Both guys are very deserving of this one. Again, I didn't like how often Monk got back cut, that Ellington was a little bit better defensively, but Monk, that offensive versatility, I thought really shined through. That late turnover on the carry uh, was brutal. I hated that one from Monk, but uh, but again, overall, had a nice night. Somebody said his defense was abysmal. Yeah, look, Malik Monk, you know, is not going to do great things on the defensive end of the floor. You're hoping that his offense is enough to where it it evens out or at least you come up ahead, come out ahead just a little bit. Uh, but Ellington is kind of the same way. But here's the thing, you know, going into the season, we said you're probably not going to be able to play both of them at the same time. Probably not because both of them have the same similar strengths in terms of outside shooting and the same weakness on defense. Frank Vogel closed the game with both of them on the floor and they got it done. So credit to those guys. Credit to them for getting it done, for coexisting on the floor, for giving the Lakers the spacing they needed, and not getting completely lit up on the defensive end. That made a difference. Made a big difference. Kadeem Gaines said, Trevor, with Houston being an absolute turmoil, do you see Daniel House being available? He'd be perfect for this roster. 6'6 six, six wing with range. Um, I got to double check on the Rockets' salaries here because I don't recall off the top of my head what he's at. Uh, to see if that's something that you would actually have to have to pay too much to get. Uh, 3.9 million for him this season. You know, any kind of wing you can't immediately dismiss. Uh, what are you giving up in order to get him? That's the challenge with a with a player like that. Like, are you willing to part with Kendrick Nunn? Remember, the Lakers believed in him. They got him kind of at a discount. I know we haven't seen him, and so it's easy out of sight, out of mind, and just say, oh, yeah, of course, just trade him because he's nothing anyway. He's not playing. But I still think the Lakers are hopeful that he's going to give them something uh, when he does eventually come back. But uh, again, we don't know exactly when that's going to be just yet. Oh gosh, somebody said somebody said the perfect center for the Lakers is Isaiah Stewart. 
You know what? Isaiah Stewart is a good player. I know, obviously, he had that altercation with LeBron and all of that, and he lost his mind. He lost his mind. That was ridiculous, uncalled for, not something you can do in the NBA. I hated that. But LeBron coexisted with Lance Stevenson. It's not like it would be the end of the world if that happened. Somebody said Rondo for coach. He kind of already is an, an assistant coach right now. So there was a, a game early on in the season. I'm trying to remember what game it was. But Frank Vogel, uh, at halftime, he's you know doing what he needs to do. Maybe he did an interview or something like that. And he walks back into the locker room, planning on queuing up all this film to show the team real quick during halftime some things they wanted to fix. And he walks in, and Rondo's already doing it. Like Rondo already has the guys huddled up and he's going over everything with them. That's why you bring in Rajon Rondo because he brings you that that perspective. He really is going to be, I think, a good coach at some point. Nicholas Kafalas from YouTube said, I wish we would go Dwight, AD, Mello, Braun, Westbrook, starting five, uh, and then DJ, THT, Ellington, Monk, either Rondo or AB in the rotation right now. So my goodness. Dwight, A.D., Mello, LeBron, Westbrook as your starting five. I mean, if this was, if it was 2012, that team would be unbeatable. Even though you'd have like a super young Anthony Davis, that team would still be unbeatable. Maybe we'd go 2016, so you get an older version of, of A.D. But, but right now, right now, I don't think you can do that. Look, that's a massive lineup. You're talking about LeBron at the two. But the foot speed would worry me in terms of closeouts. Once you've got that team defensively into rotation, closing out to three-point shooters would be really, really tough. So I don't think you can actually you would actually do that. Somebody said, I'm thankful, Tom from YouTube said, I'm thankful for a 500 record with a turkey. Yeah, maybe that's what we're thankful for this Thanksgiving. I do want to close with that. Talk about things that we're thankful for. Uh, from YouTube, Trev, we need a solid big who can rebound and rim protect how we get Christian Wood. So he's making, as I recall, top of my head, 16 million. So that's what you're talking about, packaging up THT and Kendrick Nunn in order to make a run at Christian Wood. You'd probably have to include... A veteran minimum salary or something in there to make it work if you're the rockets is that something you're doing maybe might be if you're the lakers is that something you're doing it depends on what you think you have in tht what you think you have in kendrick non um he's an interesting player and he's got enough anthony davis in him in terms of the, his physical profile the length the size that kind of stuff that the two of them side by side is really interesting um i'm not a hundred percent certain it would work it's almost kind of a video game style lineup that you would be putting out there. But man, that's a lot of long arms on the floor. If you had AD and Christian Wood side by side, I, I was very much in favor of the Lakers trying to do a sign and trade with the Pistons to get Christian Wood when they wound up doing that sign and trade with the Rockets. Charles Johnson from YouTube says, when the deadline comes, what do you think will be our starting lineup and bench play if everyone's healthy? Uh, so I'm going to go with this. So if everybody's healthy, uh, forget about the deadline, just if everybody is healthy, what is the starting lineup for the Lakers? And it's a great question because we have no idea. Here we are, what, 25% of the way done with the season, and we don't know what the best starting lineup is, right? I mean, we've been talking about this since the offseason. 
And we still don't know. I'm going to go this. Everybody's healthy. I'm going to cross my fingers and hope that what the Lakers, I believe, initially intended will indeed work. And so I'm going with LeBron, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook. No surprise there. I'm going small with AD at the five. Trevor Reza is on the floor uh, to give you that versatility. Again, assuming everybody's healthy. I don't know how many minutes he can play right now, but he gives you that size. So he's on the floor as well. And then for my fifth guy, I'm kind of back to leaning Wayne Ellington because I think coming off the bench frees up THT a little bit more as a, a secondary ball handler. So I'm thinking I just want floor spacing out there alongside that group. And Wayne Ellington probably gives it to you better than anybody else without killing you on the defensive end. If he can just be average defensively, I think that's a pretty tough starting five. So that's probably what I'm leaning towards right now. If everybody's healthy. Oh, somebody said, would you pick Christian Wood or Jeremy Grant? Uh, Jeremy Grant. But I think you can get Christian Wood for less than, than Jeremy Grant. Um, can. Somebody said, Trevor, can you just enjoy the win for once? Oh, no, I very much enjoyed this win. This was a great win, right? But this is what we do. We analyze, we break down, we talk about what's been going on with the team. Um, I loved it. I love LeBron going berserk and, and dropping all those fadeaway threes and, and being in this close of a game and coming back and actually getting the win, seeing the results of the effort, putting in the fight to battle back. I wish they had fought a little harder earlier, just like against the Knicks, but actually getting a result because you battled so hard. I, I love that. Love that. It was a you know great way to go into Thanksgiving. And so don't get me wrong. I don't I don't want to sound like we're overly critical of this team or anything like that because tonight was a win and that should absolutely be celebrated. Somebody said, do we think the Lakers will make a trade? Uh, Patrick uh, G. Gumabau from uh, Facebook said, do you think the Lakers will make a trade? I don't think they'll make a big trade. They don't have a lot of assets to trade right now. And just contractually, tra trying to work out the logistics of a trade is pretty tough. But... Um, I would be surprised if they did nothing. Let me put it that way. I'd be surprised if they did nothing. Jonathan Hackworth from Facebook said, a great overtime win over a sub-500 Eastern Conference team. Jonathan, yes. Yes. Any win right now. Any win. The way we've seen guys shuffle in and out of this roster, we've seen poor play, poor defense, poor offense. Any win right now is a good win for the Lakers. We will take it. They need to rack up as many wins as they can right now because the competition is just going to get more and more difficult as the season goes on. You have to pile up as many wins as possible at the moment. So yes, I will take this 100%. It's a win. Uh, Luke, from YouTube said, hey, Trevor, I'm from Indiana, and it was my first LeBron game. What a game. Awesome, Luke. Well, you got to see a great one, a classic LeBron game, and glad that was your, your first one that you got to see. I I hope you got to really, you know, experience the crowd there and, uh, you know, hear that crowd reaction every time LeBron hit that step back three. It uh, from, from watching from afar, from on television, it was certainly noticeable the the groans in the crowd whenever lebron would step back and hit that three just suck the air out of the building all right let's talk a little bit about uh anthony davis so ad being sick 
Hopefully he'll be back for Friday's game. I thought he gutted out against the Knicks last night. Um, still sick though. Wasn't able to play. And this is the situation the Lakers are in, right? When we talk about these injuries and the illnesses and all this kind of stuff. Like if LeBron plays last night against the Knicks, if LeBron wasn't suspended, they probably win that game. And in this game, I was thinking, man, we're going to be in another game where if AD was healthy, if AD wasn't sick, they probably win, right? And it felt like they were going to lose by like five or something like that. That was the way the game was going to play out. And then LeBron started doing LeBron things and it changed, changed where this game was headed. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, we need to see these guys together. They need time on the floor. The Lakers need to figure out a way to get healthy and stay healthy because you keep having these games where, oh, if this guy was healthy, you probably win. But now because they weren't, you lost to a team that you probably shouldn't have. Those kinds of wins, it's easy to write them off now. Late in the season, though, that's when we're going to be looking back saying, oh, man, we we I wish we could get those OKC games back. I wish we could get that Minnesota game back because that's when it's going to really matter in the standings and things are going to be really tight and you're going to have this stretch of five playoff teams in a row on the road or something like that's going to be coming and you're going to be wishing you had banked those wins early. So Anthony Davis getting back and healthy is going to be important, but not just for the wins and losses. It's for getting this team long-term on the right page. You can't count on LeBron to go for 39 every single night. You can't. Um, so long-term, these guys have got to get on the same page. And in order to do that, they have to be on the floor together. So hopefully AD can come back, can be healthy for Friday's game against Sacramento. And then they go from there. Remember, Sacramento is in turmoil. Not only did they, they fired Luke Walton, but then they lost to the Sixers bench. The Sixers had everybody out. And so they just played their bench and the Kings lost. The Kings lost to the bench. Sacramento is... Uh, has been in free fall. Right now, they are playing the Portland Trailblazers. They're down three uh, with four minutes to go in the second quarter. Sacramento is having a really rough go. But this is a team that is also desperate for a win. So if you take it lightly against them on Friday, you could wind up giving them that win. And you know Buddy Heald is going to be fired up to play against the Lakers, who he thought was going to be trading for him. And then at the last minute said, no, we'll, get, we'll take Russ instead. Buddy's going to be fired up ready to play. Uh, so the Lakers, I think, have got to come ready on Friday for that game. And hopefully Anthony Davis will be back and they can start getting that experience because Sacramento is going to be fired up to play the Lakers on Friday. SG323 from YouTube said, Trevor, do you think we need another wing? Also, I find it weird how there's an unusual silence around none. Will it be out the whole season? I also think it's weird that there's a silence around none. I don't think it's a whole season thing, but it's just weird that there's no updates. Frank Vogel just says he's still a ways away. We're past the reevaluation date and we still don't really have anything new. It is strange. As far as another wing, yes. Yeah, I think they do. They don't have any open roster spots right now. Uh, I think Austin Reeves coming back does help, but uh, I do think they ultimately need another wing with size all right guys let's talk about the master lock of the night the master lock of the night for this one so if you're new the way the master lock works is we take chris the masterpiece masters professional wrestler good friend guy who appears on our show often uh chris the masterpiece masters we talk about his finishing hold and who or what from the game was particularly annoying that we would like to see put into Chris Masters' finishing hold. So chat, 
fire it off. If you're coming in from YouTube, from Twitter, from Facebook, this is a chance, chance to vent a little bit and talk about what you would put in the master lock. Last game, I master locked Taylor Horton Tucker. That was last night. Probably still a little sore from that. Last night, Taylor Horton Tucker got the master lock. I'm curious to see what you guys think needs to be master locked from this one. Uh, I've got some people saying THT. Some people say uh, the fans who got ejected. No, the fans who got ejected need a high five or something like that or a hearty handshake, some form of congratulations and thanks because they fired up LeBron James. They poked the bear and they got him going. So thank you, Indiana fans. Some people say master lock the shot. Master lock zone defense. More people saying master lock in THT. Oh, master lock the Pacers announcer. I did not listen to the Pacers announce crew. Uh, I listened to Billy Mack and, and Stu Lance. So, but I, I have listened to them many times. And yes, that can be an experience. People saying master lock Chris Duarte. Master lock Vogel. Vogel went small. Master lock end of game turnovers. People still wanting to master lock Isaiah Stewart. Annoying Duarte. All right. Master lock getting it to overtime. Jared Chalkerson master lock the Lakers. Huge deficits every single game. Uh, <laughs> so I am going to go. I am going to go with Chris Duarte. Uh, that's that's going to get my master lock. Because look. Look, gutsy player. I wish he was a Laker. He was a guy that was 100% on my radar. A guy I wanted to see the Lakers take if he fell to 22. He didn't get anywhere close to that far. Went at 13 to Indiana. But, come on, man. The Lakers need a win. Anthony Davis is sick. And he flings that thing up, falling out of bounds, and hits the three to send it to overtime. I, at that moment, I just thought, what else can this team endure? The Lakers have dealt with so much already. And now you've got guys falling out of bounds, sending a game to overtime at the end of a five-game road trip. They've been they've had, what, five games in nine days or something like that on the road while traveling, and then you get that to finish it on the second night of a back-to-back? -back? Come on, man. Great shot, but don't do the Lakers like that. I, and fortunately, the Lakers were able to still muster up the energy to get the job done. I will say, in terms of annoyance, Another piece to this that was annoying at this moment, um, the Lakers' energy level, the effort. We saw again them kind of come out flat, defensively not put in the effort, and then late in the game really turn it up. I don't think they're good enough to do that. They're not good enough to play low-energy basketball for much of the game and expect to just surge ahead at the end. It worked tonight, but again, you're not going to count on LeBron hitting 40-foot threes every single night. It was a great night tonight. But I think overall, this team has to learn the lesson that they've got to bring more energy early and often. And some of that might mean, you know, Kendrick Nunn coming back, a younger player, 26, right? Uh, Austin Reeves coming back. Those players are guys that can bring energy and bring fresh legs. And it feels like the Lakers really need that right now. They need some fresh legs at this moment. It feels like they're a little bit worn down and they should be because the guys that they've had to rely on are not guys that they planned on playing major minutes, but they've been forced to because of so many injuries. All right, guys, I do want to finish up with this. We've got we've got Thanksgiving tomorrow. Um, let's talk about what we are thankful for here. 
Somebody said Bradley fouled him. Be real. Yeah, I did think Bradley fouled um, <laughs> fouled Chris Duarte. And so thankful that the referees didn't call that. But it's been a frustrating season so far for the Lakers. There have been a lot of fans who've been saying, I'm stressed all game, every game. Hasn't been There haven't been a lot of fun moments. So it's important that we take a moment and talk about what we are thankful for on this season because there's a lot of things, a lot of negatives that we can talk about here. So what is it that we're thankful for? I've got ah, Luis Ayala said, thank you, Trevor, for Lakers Nation. Um, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Appreciate you coming in here and, and saying that. Um, I am not the originator of Lakers Nation or anything like that, but um, but I do run all the video and audio and stuff here. So I uh, appreciate that. But what else are you guys thankful for? Well, somebody said thankful for Vogel. I think he was kidding, though, based on the emoji that he put in there. Somebody said happy Thanksgiving. Somebody said thankful for everyone being here. Thankful for Lakers basketball. Thankful we have LeBron in all caps. So we know he's serious. That's from 37 Lives on YouTube. Yes, thankful that LeBron James is in purple and gold because the Lakers did not win this game without him. That's for sure. Thankful for the Lakers Nation YouTube comments section. All right, there's some credit to all of you guys out there that are on the YouTube side of things. Sheldon Amontio from Facebook said, I'm thankful for what you do for Lakers Nation. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Um, thankful for you, Trevor, uh, from Century, Century Player 05. Appreciate that, guys. What else are we thankful for? <laughs> oh, man. Somebody, some people are taking some backhanded comments at, at Russell Westbrook in this one. Thankful for fans back in the building. Keith Scarborough. Here, here, man, from YouTube. Thankful for fans back in the building. I mean, this kind of a game, especially like tonight's game, doesn't have the same vibe to it without fans in the building. Really matters so much that they've got fans there in the building right now. Somebody said, thankful for this show. Again, I appreciate that. Thank you, Carmelo Anthony, for keeping it mellow, said uh, Bal Chopra from YouTube. Yes, thank you. Carmelo Anthony, thankful for the fan who was tossed. LOL. Yes, thank you, Indiana Pacers fans, for firing up LeBron James for poking the bear and getting tossed. Thank you for the threes, LeBron James. Yes, somebody said, who runs Lakers Nation Twitter? Uh, we've got a few different guys that tweet. Uh, Corey Hansford tweets uh, fairly often, uh, so you usually see him on there, but sometimes it is a, a few other people that um, that tweet for the Lakers Nation account. I'm assuming you're saying you're thankful for them. All right. I guess I'll get into a lot of you guys are saying some similar stuff. Oh, thankful for turkey stuffing and mashed potatoes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Some really good um, Thanksgiving food. My favorite, my favorite Thanksgiving food, by the way, is pumpkin pie. And I went to the store today to get some stuff. And you know what I forgot? The pumpkin pie. Of course. Of course. So I got to find some pumpkin pie tomorrow. I've got to figure out a way. To get that done, make that make that happen, because that is my favorite part of Thanksgiving, at least food-wise. Um, I will say this though. So for me, what I'm thankful for is, I mean, of course, Lakers basketball, but also thankful for for this, for all of you guys, for everybody watching this show, for letting us do what we do here. Certainly thankful for that. I've told you guys on, on many times that I grew up on this team. This is the team I grew up supporting, and it's very rare for somebody to get to cover the team they grew up on. Um, and that's why, if you notice with sports media, um, people essentially have to make a decision. You either present yourself as a national 
person covers the whole league and you turn in your fan card, you say, I'm no longer a fan of any team. I have to present every team in an unbiased way, or you go the other way and you focus in on a team. And I knew I couldn't be genuine covering the NBA, having watched the Lakers my entire life. If I turned in my fan card and said, oh, I'm not a Lakers fan anymore. I'm not, I, I'm just going to be an unbiased uh, observer. I knew that for number one, I wouldn't be able to be unbiased truthfully. And that would come through in whatever I was doing. So I'm thankful that I get to cover the team that I was already so passionate about. And all of you allow me to do that. Um, so I'm certainly thankful for the ability to, to do this, to get to talk about the Lakers, even some nights when it's not so fun, when the Lakers are struggling and things like that. Thankful that we can come on here, we can vent, we can discuss all of these things. Thankful for, for being able to, to run the YouTube channel and everything like that. This has been a, a crazy journey for, for me to get to this point, to be running this show and running the channel and doing all the things that we're doing at, uh, at Lakers Nation. And uh, so I'm very appreciative for all of you out there who've been watching my watching what we've been doing here, watching the videos, um, listening to the podcast, reading the stuff that I've written and, and things of that nature, and just following along with Lakers Nation. It really is Lakers Nation. It's a big family when we do the watch parties and things like that. It's so much fun, and I hope we get to do more of those really soon. Um, it's so much fun getting everybody together and get to hang out and watch Lakers game and share this passion for this team. So I'm very much thankful for all of you for allowing me to do what I do and get to talk about the team that I love so much and has loved for my whole life. So very appreciative of all of you out there. All right, guys. I think let's wrap things up there. I've got more people saying thank you to those fans who angered LeBron James. Yes, indeed. Thankful to them. Um, oh, somebody said you took over for Serena Williams, correct? No, Serena Winters. Serena Winters is who you're thinking of. And I didn't take over for her. Um, her and I worked together actually for a while. Um, and I was more of a writer. She did a lot of video stuff, but she was more like a stand-up sideline reporter type person. That's not really my angle that I take at things. So we're how we approach things is very different. So my role compared to her role is it's not completely it's not like a night and day type of situation. We both work in the video field, but we approach things very, very differently. And she's fantastic. We had a number of great podcasts and everything with her. I know she started up a podcast covering the Sixers now, um, but no. So it's not like I took over for Serena or something like that. Just uh, my role just kind of evolved from being on the writing side to eventually into the podcast side and then into video and things like that. But that was happening while Serena was still with, with Lakers Nation. Anyway. All right, guys, appreciate all of you for coming in here tonight. We will see you again on Friday when the Lakers take on the Sacramento Kings. Let's get a little win streak going. Make it two in a row. Take down Sacramento. Hopefully, Anthony Davis is back and healthy. Hope you guys have a great day tomorrow. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy it. Stay safe, everybody. Eat plenty of food. Watch some football. And then we'll see you on Friday.